Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with Decrom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. It's hard to believe this 2021 NFL regular season is already down to its final two weeks. And keep in mind, this is the first year of the 17-game and 18-week format. Uh, in previous years, this week would be the final week, but uh, it's different starting this year. And it's also hard to believe that we are less than 24 hours away from the beginning of yet another new year. And while everybody, I'm sure, has New Year's resolutions to be made, the NFL might not have to make any such resolutions other than please let every season going forward be as competitive as 2021 has been. What do you think, Hal Bent? Oh, it's definitely been a great competitive season. And with two weeks to go, there's still a lot going on. There's some division races up uh, in the air still. There's wild card teams aplenty with a chance. So we're going to see a fun final two weeks here, uh, as long as we can keep enough players off the COVID list to keep going. You said it, Hal, and uh, the relaxed protocols hopefully will contribute uh, to that. And uh, before we proceed, let's talk about our main takeaways from what was another exciting week of football in week 16. What were your main takeaways? Well, you know, I'm going to go number one and I'm going to say, I'm completely off the Arizona bandwagon. I've given up. Yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to lose in the first round. And something needs to happen there. Cliff Kingsbury, you're on notice right now because I've given up on you. Uh, that's my big one. And then number two, uh, you change the coach. You change the quarterback. You change the city. And the Chargers are still doing Charger things year after year. Uh, just a shocking, shocking performance. Yes, you can say, you know, missing key players for COVID, but to get steamrolled by the Texans in the manner that they did is just inexcusable. I don't know what's going on in L.A. with the Chargers, but, oh, that was ugly. It was ugly indeed, Hal, and my main week 16 takeaways are as follows. It was obviously a crazy journey to get to this moment in the season, but the Chiefs and Bills appear to be the two best teams of the AFC after all. And not only that, speaking of the Bills, Josh Allen, he is putting himself in elite company. Last Sunday against your Patriots, I'm sorry to remind you, he became the first player in NFL history to record 100 passing touchdowns and 20 rushing touchdowns in their first four NFL seasons. And who are the players to have 34 or more passing touchdowns and 4,000 or more passing yards in back-to-back seasons in NFL history? Josh Allen, 2020 and 2021. Who are the other names on that list? Tom Brady in 2020 and 2021 and in 2011, 2012. Drew Brees, 2008-2009, and 2011-2013. Peyton Manning, when he was with the Broncos from 2012-2014. to And Aaron Rodgers from 2011-2012. to Oh, my goodness. Josh Allen, those are elite future Hall of Fame names you are already associated with just four years into your career. And I think the best is still yet to come for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And... The Chargers, that might have been an ugly performance and an inexcusable performance. 
but we have to give credit where credit is due to the Houston Texans. Everybody expected them to single-handedly be the biggest laughing stock in the National Football League this season. They have been far, far, far from that. They have already won four games, including one against the Tennessee Titans in an upset win on the road and against the Chargers on Sunday. The other two against the Jaguars, but still a win is a win in the National Football League. And give credit to Nick Casario and David Culley for doing a great job in putting out a very, very respectable product this season when nobody was expecting an even halfway respectable one from the Texans. So good work, David Culley. Good work, Nick Casario. And speaking of the Houston Texans, they kick off this week's truth or exaggeration game. You know how this works, Hal. I make a statement and you determine whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start obviously with the Houston Texans. The Texans should not spend a premium draft pick on a quarterback and give Davis Mills a full-year tryout in 2022. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I, I'm going to say a truth. I don't think they're going to get a premium quarterback looking to land in their laps. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would go kicking and screaming or <laughs> Russell Wilson. So, yeah, th there, there's nobody running to Houston right now. Uh, maybe something back in a Watson trade, but the quarterback class this year, it's not like it was this past year. So if you're looking to draft a quarterback, you've got to be looking to 2023 right now, not 2022. So why the heck not? He's shown flashes. He's got at minimum a strong arm, can make the throws, game management, intelligent. Hey, why not? Give him a shot. See what you got. You got 16 games more next year to see. And if you don't like it, you'll be in position to draft a quarterback to replace him. So yeah, truth. Give him another year. I like it. Yeah. That's 17 games, but I understand oh, why you're yeah. still making well, it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> of course. <laughs> old of course. Habits. <laughs> yeah. yeah kind of like some people still calling the Las Vegas Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, or even the Chargers still the San Diego Chargers. Oh I'm God. guilty all the time. I, I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> and speaking of quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, has cemented himself as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, truth, 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 truth. I mean, he was already there. Then throw in this 500-yard game last week. No, no, no. He was already in the top 10. Truth, truth, truth. Yeah, what makes him a top 10 quarterback? Like uh, his uh, poise, definitely. He is oh. so unrattled. He, he does. He has that ability and, you know, years and years of – you know, in the desert of Cincinnati, of quarterback after quarterback, and all those Andy Dalton years, uh, just to have Burrow. I mean, you know, the physical tools are there. You knew that coming out of college, but did he have that mental strength? Did he have that poise like you brought up? Yes, and yes, he has them both. And you see him elevating that offense around him. Guys are excited to play for him. The linemen are excited to block for him. The receivers want the ball. The running game, Joe Mixon, great, you know, feeds off of those big plays on in the passing game. It, it just elevates everyone around him. And that, that's a top 10 quarterback right there. I couldn't agree more. And moving on to the Miami Dolphins, who with their win over the COVID-ravaged New Orleans Saints on Monday night, became the first team in NFL history with both a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game winning streak in the same season. And not only that, 
They currently occupy the seventh and final playoff seed in the AFC. So truth or exaggeration, if the Dolphins make the playoffs, Brian Flores is the 2021 NFL coach of the year. You know, I mean, you got to give him credit for the seven game winning streak, but you got to take away some points for that losing streak as well. But no, no. I mean, talk about, you know, uh, calm in the storm with the ship going down and, and nobody believing in you. They were calling for his head in Miami. I, you know, I don't know how many articles I read everywhere said, you know, the 10 wins last year was a fluke. Flores, the latest disappointment from the Belichick coaching tree, and he stuck to his beliefs. He stuck with his faith in Tua and his defense, and everything is paying off for him now. Um, yeah, he's probably not going to get it, but he's in the conversation. I, I definitely think Miami's making the playoffs this year, and he should be in that conversation uh, for coach of the year. I'm going to say a little exaggeration because uh, there's a lot of good candidates out there right now. So I can't guarantee he's going to win, but he belongs in that conversation. Yeah, there most certainly are a lot more candidates than Brian Flores in that conversation right now. So I totally get your exaggeration decision there. Moving on to the San Francisco 49ers, regardless of how their season ends, the 49ers must make Trey Lance the full-time starter in 2022. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, they're going to. I, I can't see him bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, just the, the cap savings that they'll get out of either trading or releasing Garoppolo this year is just a no-brainer. And you don't spend the number three pick on a quarterback to have him sit for two years at that position. Lance is the future there. I hope he's absorbing like a sponge, watching this offense, picking everything up, studying, getting himself mentally rep ready, mental reps, and hits the ground running and ready to go uh, next season. But yeah, I mean, Garoppolo, I mean, short of a Super Bowl win, which is going to require <laughs> some exciting upsets here in the playoffs in this uh, stacked NFC. I don't see any way they bring Garoppolo back. It's Lance for the future. I would agree as well. And yesterday in an interview on the three and out podcast with Michael Shoddy and uh, Ty Schalter, uh, Benjamin Albright, NFL insider based in Denver, said that he believes that current Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett is going to be the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Keep in mind, Hackett was the Jaguars offensive coordinator during that magical 2017 season, and he got an exceptionally efficient season out of Blake Bortles, for crying out loud. And you see the work he has done with Aaron Rodgers and getting the utmost out of him during the latter part of his career. So truth or exaggeration, the Jaguars hiring Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett as their new head coach would be a very wise move. Yeah, it definitely would. But, you know, I'm going to go back and to, our, you know, your uh, takeaway here about Josh Allen and say the person who put Josh Allen in the position he is now should be the number one head coach candidate for every team looking for a head coach, including your Denver Broncos. And that's Brian Dable. I mean, my God, Belichick system five Super Bowl rings in New England, national championship with Nick Saban, you know, offensive coordinator for 
with four different teams in the NFL now, still only 46 years old. And he's got Josh Allen on his resume. He took, you know, a lump of clay coming out of Wyoming with all the physical tools and thousands and thousands of people just like me saying you can't teach a quarterback accuracy and made us all look like idiots and turned Josh Allen into one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, my God, uh, Brian Dable, if you're not hiring, if you can't get him, Denver, yes, Hackett, great pick. That's your number two, but you got to go for Dable number one. And that goes for your Bears as well, David. Uh, you know, you got a young quarterback or you want, you're planning to bring in a young quarterback. Brian Dable's got to be the top of your list. He's, that's the only way that that's going to make an exaggeration here. Love Hackett, like you said. Anybody who can get anything out of Blake Bortles deserves a parade and a statue, let alone a head coaching position. But um, I got Dable. People passing up on Dable, I just don't get it. That said, the Chicago Bears are indeed the team to watch for Brian Dable at the moment, although that can change because uh, things are going to move very fast in just a couple of weeks. And speaking of the Green Bay Packers, if he doesn't retire, Aaron Rodgers will play for the Packers in 2022. Truth or exaggeration? I still think it's an exaggeration. He's, Why? He, uh, you know, he... If Tom Brady leaves New England, anybody can go anywhere, David. You know, it's, it, and you look at that, he's at that age, just like Peyton Manning, just like Tom Brady. There's something that's going to, this that lure of, I'm getting close to the end, and I've only got maybe this is my last chance to say, hey, can I challenge myself and like Peyton Manning, go to Denver, like Tom Brady, go to Tampa Bay, and win a championship in a different circumstance. I think that's a big draw for Aaron Rodgers right now, just like it was for Tom Brady after seeing Peyton Manning do it. You know, maybe that's a new trend in the NFL, but I think that challenging yourself and taking yourself out of your comfort level one last time when you know you've still got that mojo for just a few more years, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is on that in that situation. While all that is true, Aaron Rodgers seems to be really enjoying himself this season in Green Bay, and he said at his press conference yesterday that he is happy how his relationship with GM Brian Gutekunst has grown. So that is definitely something to keep in mind, and I do not think the Broncos, or even the Steelers for that matter, have the talent the Packers currently have right now to build around Rodgers in just one or two years. I think Rodgers is best served to finish out his career in Green Bay because I think that team gives him the best chance to win. Granted, the Packers have some salary cap issues and deciding um, who to keep and who not to keep is going to be a very tough decision for them given the fact that uh, Aaron Rodgers may leave and Devontae Adams is a free agent. But uh, if as long as uh, Aaron Rodgers stays and you bring back Devontae Adams on somewhat of a discounted deal and keeping as much of that team together as possible, that could be the best possible move for Aaron Rodgers, at least in my view. So we are not simpatico there, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, we go to... A team that started out 3-0 has been an absolute dumpster fire since then. The Carolina Panthers. So, truth or exaggeration, after two seasons, the Carolina Panthers should pull the plug on Matt Rule. 
Oh, God. I'm going to say a little bit of an exaggeration. Yes, he's going to get a lot of blame for the quarterback situation since he's been there, which has just been a disaster from, you know, jettison Cam Newton to Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold, back to Cam Newton, back to Sam Darnold, sprinkle in a little PJ Walker. Yeah, it's a nightmare situation and you're not winning in the NFL without a quality quarterback. So I think there's a little bit of rope left for Matt Rule. Uh, Here's the head coach in Carolina. I think he gets that third season here, but there's a lot of pressure on him next year. And especially what he does in this offseason, if he goes for a you know, uh, ride or die situation and keeps Darnold around for another go around next year as his starter. Yep. Uh, Matt Rule's seat is hot nonetheless in Carolina. And now it's time to play another game called This or That. In this game, I uh, mention a dilemma and you make a decision and you tell me why you made that particular decision. And we start with a tribute to the great John Madden, who passed on at the age of 85 earlier this week. John Madden was a legend of legends when it comes to football, as I'm sure you know, Hal. He is one of the biggest reasons why I fell in love with this game, and I'm sure the same goes for you as well. It was very, very hard to think of anybody that has had such a wide-ranging impact on the game of football than John Madden, but I thought of one, and that person is Vince Lombardi. So this or that? Who had the bigger impact on the game of football, John Madden or Vince Lombardi? Through 1990, I'd say Vince Lombardi. But this generation, you know, Vince Lombardi's just a name. And John Madden is an icon to anyone, even 20 and under crowd. No, everybody knows Madden from the football game. Um, you know, if you were fortunate enough to be able to grow up and, and hear his calls for years and years on the, uh, you know, throughout the different networks he was on, I mean, just the, he just said one word and you knew, everybody knew exactly who he was. Summer All and Madden, such an iconic duo. Just, oh, yeah, I mean, I hate to say it because pre-1990, I would say there's no way you could pick anybody but Vince Lombardi but it's been a long time since he's been involved in the game right now and I think Madden on so many different levels has kind of passed him as that icon right now I would agree but I would also add another reason Vince Lombardi was a legend in the football world mainly due to just one thing coaching and scheming he was like the first great coach in the history of football. But John Madden was an amazing coach. He has the all-time uh, highest winning percentage of any coach in NFL history still. And as a broadcaster, he changed the way football games were broadcasted. And as a cultural icon, he absolutely universalized the game to every corner of the globe with his annual Madden NFL video games, which has taught even the least football savvy people more and more about the game in the most rational way possible. He 
bridge the gap between the complexities of the game and reaching every simpleton out there, so to speak. Uh, he just had a far more universal impact on this game than Vince Lombardi did. Lombardi did it for coaching. Madden did it for every single aspect of the game. That's why I go with John Madden. And the football world is a lot poor with his passing, as I'm sure you would agree. I agree. And the Madden bus. We'll remember that for all our days. <laughs> uh, yeah, the turkey legs on Thanksgiving. <laughs> the turkey legs on Thanksgiving. Would, we'll always remember those, too. Sure, Duckins. Yep. <laughs> all right. Now back to the 2021 season in the playoff picture. Assuming they get the NFC's number one seed, which team should the Packers fear more coming to Lambeau? The Bucks or the Cowboys? You know, two weeks ago, that would have been an easy question there, but Dak is back, baby. That said, man. Nobody ever wants to see Tom Brady come striding into your stadium. Love Dak. So excited to see that performance last week uh, after that getting back on track after a, a rough little stretch here. But man, Tampa, the defending champs, Brady, I don't want to see them uh, coming into my stadium. I still got to go with Tampa Bay at this point. I would go with Tampa Bay as well, but by a hair, because I just think the Cowboys might be the more talented roster right now, really, because uh, look on both sides of the ball, they're just absolutely dominating with studs everywhere. Uh, but the big difference, the Bucks aren't that far behind roster-wise. The big difference is coaching. I trust Bruce Arians to not make a big blunder in the playoffs a lot more than I would trust Mike McCarthy. That is the only reason why I would take the Bucks over the Cowboys. Other than that, it's a wash, and I would fear both of them if I were Green Bay. Yeah, two great quarterbacks, and like you said, that Mike McCarthy factor, everyone's just holding their breath in Dallas, waiting to see, you know, can he not screw something up at, in a critical moment uh, when – when they need him to, or can he bury Switzer his way through and, and uh, come out with the prize? You said it. And on to the AFC West, which we thought was the most competitive division in football this year. It might still be true in the long run, but this year it turned out not to be as competitive as we thought as the chiefs have run away with the division and two teams are on the outside looking into the playoff picture and might still be home along with the Broncos by season's end. But my question is here, which non-Chiefs AFC West team is more likely to make the playoffs, the Chargers or the Raiders? The Raiders control their own destiny. Keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's coming down to, well, if the Raiders can get past, you know, Raiders get a tough schedule got to go to Indy this week that's a tough game and then you've got the Chargers in what could be the make or break game controlling their destiny Chargers Broncos yeah that's a tough matchup but you know um, we saw enough of I at least saw enough of Drew Locke last week to say talk about unwatchable so <laughs> I don't think that Denver offense is enough to, to put a scare into them there but yeah, I, I, I still got to say the Chargers. The Chargers are still the more talented team over the Raiders. Yes, the Raiders control their destiny, but uh, I'm just going to pick the talent here. And I'm going to say, you know, the Chargers, 
don't break my heart. You should be that uh, <laughs> playoff team right now. <laughs> I'm honestly rooting for the Chargers as well because I'm a big, big Justin Herbert stand, so to speak. And last but not least for this or that, who was the bigger Pro Bowl snub? Bears linebacker Roquan Smith or Chiefs center Creed Humphrey? Oh, Creed Humphrey, definitely. I mean, just for the unexpected. I mean, everybody knows Roquan Smith is the center of that Bears defense, the beating heart of it. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's got a lot of them to go, but Creed Humphrey, come on. Nobody saw this coming. Uh, Great pick. Instant impact. You would have thought it would have taken him at least, you know, half a season or this full year to get up to speed. And he's just been such a huge part of, you know, that improvement that the Chiefs desperately needed up front. He's a leader as a rookie in that center position. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, Creed Humphrey, huge snub right there. As much as I think Roquan got snubbed, I think I would actually agree with Creed Humphrey because Roquan, it's kind of hard for him with the, the Darius Leonard's of the world, the season Darius Leonard is having and Fred Warner and all those great linebackers along with him. But I do not think it's hyperbole whatsoever to say that Creed Humphrey is the best center in the NFL right now. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, he's, you know, you take it. strength, technique, leadership, you know, recognition of blocking schemes he's checking off every box right now and to get him with a late second round pick unbelievable unbelievable indeed and speaking of creed humphrey he and his chiefs travel to cincinnati to take on the Bengals, which is our game of the week and let's preview this game in depth the chiefs are on a tear right now and their defense has been the main story this season. But Patrick Mahomes, I think he's back to being Patrick Mahomes, too. Wouldn't you say so? Oh, definitely. I mean, he's talking about getting your mojo, Joe, back. I mean, last week, especially missing um, Travis Kelsey and being able to step up and have that performance he did, just eye-opening. Not what I expected out of him with a depleted roster. So definitely signs of growth there. Patrick Mahomes being able to play that small ball when needed and making that pay off in a big way for that offense. Yeah, the Chiefs are rolling, but these Cincinnati Bengals are not a team to take lightly whatsoever. And I think the Bengals have a very legitimate shot at pulling off an upset on Sunday. What do the Bengals need to do the most in order to pull off that upset? Well, I mean, they've, they've got to get out to a lead first and foremost. Playing behind against Kansas City has been a disaster um, outside of these first couple weeks of the season here. So Cincinnati, come out hot, get, in, get a lead, get some points on that defense and force the Chiefs to play on their heels and put a little pressure on Mahomes to have to make some plays downfield, try to push it and put the ball in a situation where the defense can make a play on it and have a big turnover. I would agree with that. You definitely have to score points to get out to a lead against these Chiefs. But another thing they must do, in my opinion, uh, this week, as opposed to last week, which was a near-exclusively Joe Burrow show through the air, this must be a joint Joe Burrow-Joe Mixon show, balance between in the air and on the ground. 
the best way to defend Patrick Mahomes remains keeping him off the field for a long time. Joe Mixon and that running game has got to have a day. Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, uh, Mixon seems to have hit a wall the past couple of weeks. It's time to break through that wall, get past that three and a half yards per rush average here and break out one of those big Joe Mixon games. They're going to need him to tally 100 plus yards on the ground definitely uh, just to control the ball, control the game, keep their defense rested because the last thing you want to do is get in a track meet and try to keep up with the Chiefs. And if Joe Mixon is to break through that proverbial wall, he is going to have to break through a brick wall. That is Chris Jones. And Chris Jones, he is the biggest name that comes up when we talk about the inspiring turnaround of this Chiefs defense playing like the worst unit in the NFL through the first half of the season and through the second half of the season playing like the best defense in the NFL. I am shocked, absolutely shocked that Chris Jones's name doesn't come up in defensive player of the year talks. Should it? Oh, definitely. You know, what hurts him is that bizarre decision that Kansas City made to put him on the outside at the beginning of the season where he, you know, is one dimensional, takes him out of his comfort zone and a big reason why that defense struggled. No doubt about it. And, you know, for, (laughs) I mean, that's just a huge thing there. And once they got him back inside, it's no coincidence that that defense started clicking the way it has these past few weeks. Most definitely. I completely agree. And now let's talk about some of the key matchups in this game. Obviously this game is going to be decided a lot on what happens up front. And I want to take a player. We just discussed Creed Humphrey. He is going to be going against Larry Ogan, Joby. He and Trey Hendrickson have arguably been the two most important players in this Bengals defensive makeover so far this season. Yes. I like Chidobi Awuzie and Von Bell. Both have been good additions for that secondary, but it all starts up front. And what Trey Hendrickson and Larry Ogunjobi have brought to that Bengals defensive front four has been irreplaceable, dare I say. And going up against Creed Humphrey could be their biggest challenge this season, but it's a challenge they could very well be up for. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a game where, you know, those one-on-one battles on that offensive line are going to swing the direction of the game there's absolutely no doubt about it you let chris jones loose forget it it's going to be a long day for cincinnati and on the opposite side ogan joby has a big game disrupts that pocket uh, is able to push there and get um, get mahomes under pressure throwing the ball a half second early whatever hands up a couple of big tips that can lead to turnovers what Ever that situation is, if he can control the middle of that offensive line, that makes a huge chance for Cincinnati to pull the upset. Yes, and that's why I expect uh, Andy Heck, the Chiefs offensive line coach, talking to Andy Reid by saying, we might have to put both Creed and either Joe Tooney or Trey Smith, don't forget their other stud rookie interior offensive lineman, Trey Smith, on Larry Ogunjobi, double-team that guy, even if you leave Trey Hendrickson uh, one-on-one with your right tackle, uh, because uh, Ogunjobi could be even more of an important ingredient to stopping Mahomes than Trey Hendrickson, dare I say. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is, is with that outside pressure with Patrick Mahomes, if, if he's got room to step up, 
or he can drift out of that pocket and extend the plays, that's when you stay him start making those big plays downfield. So that pass rush coming from the middle is the most disruptive to someone like Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, the edge rushers, sure, they, they make the big bucks and they get all the attention with those flashy sacks, but, you know, they break containment and it's a big play for Kansas City. So it's that inside pressure that's going to be really important in this game on both sides of the ball. Any other matchups you have your eye on in this all-important game, Hal? Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, Cincinnati. You're going to talk about that wide receiver group, which has been on fire lately. No doubt about it. It's deep. It's talented. Um, there's a big play waiting, it seems like, on every throw, uh, whether it's the T. Higgins having a big year, uh, you know, Tyler Boyd's making big plays now. We all know what rookie Jamar Chase can do uh, in the short game. Going deep doesn't matter either way. And the person I'm looking at uh, in that secondary who has quietly been a huge, huge part of this turnaround on the defense as well for Kansas City, Legereus Sneed at the cornerback position. He has been absolutely fantastic opposite Charvavis Ward. Sneed has had a breakthrough season, looking like a future pro bowler this year. So if he can match up and take away one of those Cincinnati weapons, that's going to be a huge advantage for that Kansas City defense. And if there is a weak spot in the Chiefs defense, it is their linebackers in coverage. Don't get me wrong. Willie Gay is very good. Uh, and uh, Nick Bolton has had a very, very good rookie season, but neither of them are the scariest in coverage. And that means this could be a CJ Uzama type game for the Bengals in the passing game. If they want to get the passing game going. Yeah. And, and we've seen it with Uzama. He's had those flashes, those big games where he's had, you know, comes out of nowhere, puts up a huge performance. Uh, he's had a couple of those. If he's got another one in him, I'll tell you, this is a great week for him to break that out and see one of those big 90 yard performance games or grab a couple of touchdowns, couple of games he had like that earlier in the season. Indeed. And who do you have winning in Cincinnati on Sunday, the chiefs or the Bengals? Oh, my heart says Cincinnati. I'd love to see it. I want to see the Bengals with a big W here and, you know, say, Hey, this is the AFC championship game preview here. Look out, we're coming. And as much as my heart says to do it, my head says, no, nope, you, you know it's going to be Kansas City. You can't pick against Mahomes at this point of the season right now. They're clicking on both sides of the ball. Kansas City 30, Cincinnati 24. I'll even put it to overtime to, to rest my heart and let Cincinnati feel a little better about it. I want them to win that bad, but Kansas City, in overtime, 30 to 24. On a sad note, sound that simpatico alert. <laughs> do, 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 do. All so right, sad. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to pick the Bengals so much. I am just so, so excited about this team long-term. Joe Burrow, he has already grown into a top 10 quarterback, as we agreed earlier on in the program. But there is just one thing about this game that'll be the difference. I expect the Bengals to put up a fight. I expect it to be a very close game down to the wire. But the main difference in this game, 
I'm not sure I can trust that Bengals offensive line to hold up all the time against Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram and that Chiefs defensive front. It is going to be brutal for the Bengals in terms of their offensive line because their offensive line is still lacking in pass protection, and that is going to be the deciding factor in a very close 27-24 Kansas City Chiefs victory and now let's pick the rest of these week 17 games starting in buffalo where the bills now once again atop the afc east host the seven and eight atlanta falcons and as much as it will disappoint you hal i'm taking the bills in this game (laughs) i don't think it's going to be that close because uh the falcons yeah they may have seven wins but they barely got by the lions they almost (laughs) lost to the lions quarterback by tim boyle of all people out loud I do not see them having similar fortune against the Bills. Bills 31, Falcons 20. Yeah, I don't even think it's going to be that close, David. Uh, I told you last week, the only reason I picked Atlanta over Detroit, I thought Detroit was really the better team at that point. But Atlanta has this weird win a game they shouldn't, then get blown out the next week, then come back and win a game. And then, so this week, odd week, they're going to get blown out. So, I'll give it to Buffalo in an easy win, 38-6. to six. In arguably the most ho-hum game of the early afternoon, the New York Giants, led by Mike Lennon or Jake Fromm or both, take <laughs> on the Bears, and it's looking like it could very well be a Nandy Dalton week as the Bears are going to be wise, in my opinion, and not put Justin Fields out there at sub 100% and risk an injury to the future of their franchise. That said... I still think the Bears are the better team. They have a lot of guys that like to battle hard, even though uh, they can't wait to see Matt Nagy gone by January 10th. And uh, the Giants, they're just an absolute dumpster fire right now. And uh, I still trust that Bears defense to really, really make life miserable on either Mike Glennon, Jake Fromm, or both, as I alluded to, because it won't surprise <laughs> me to see both in this game like we did last week against the Eagles. It's going to be close, ugly, low scoring, but Bears 16, Giants 12. Yeah, I, I hate picking the Bears here because, you know, the Matt Nagy era has to end and we don't want them going out on a little winning streak here to close it out. So and give a glimmer of hope that he's going to be keeping his job here because certainly um, does not deserve to with the job he's done there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to pick them, but yeah, you said dumpster fire for the Giants. I think that's the appropriate term. Bears 23, Giants 20. The Miami Dolphins in a very interesting matchup traveled to Music City to take on the Titans and the Tennessee Titans. uh, Yes, uh, you have to give them credit for that win against the 49ers, but Jimmy Garoppolo almost single-handedly handed them that game on a silver platter. It shouldn't have been that close. The, The 49ers actually punched the Titans in the mouth in that first half, but they just couldn't put them away in those Jimmy G turnovers did them in and uh, credit where it's due to Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown for really lighting it up last week. That said, the Tennessee Titans still are a different team without Derrick Henry and uh, Julio Jones. I don't think is going to be playing this week. I think he's on the COVID list. And even if he is playing Julio Jones is a fossil of his former self. So all the dolphins have to do with that secondary is just double cover AJ green and make life. I mean, AJ Brown and make their life very hard for Ryan Tannehill. I think that they're going to do it with the amazing secondary that they have. 
and they're going to be able to um, uh, get pressure on Ryan Channel and force the former Dolphin into some turnovers against his former team. And I think Tua, Jalen Waddle, and that offense do just enough to eke out a hard-fought 13-10 to super low-scoring win on a defensive-centric day in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, the, even when uh, Henry was healthy, was not playing well this year. There's certainly been some kind of regression from Tannehill in Tennessee. Don't like what I've seen from him this year. Don't feel comfortable picking him to win, uh, especially against that Miami defense, which is playing top-notch right now. So I'm going to say i got to go with Miami on this one. Uh, said last week not picking against Miami at this point I refuse to been burned too many times so got to go with Miami 26 to 18 over Tennessee in a game that could be decided by somebody named Omicron (laughs) the Raiders traveling to Indy to take on the Colts a must-win game for the Raiders if they want to keep their own inside track to the playoffs and they might get it with uh, Carson Wentz being iffy for this game after that positive test. But keep in mind, Carson Wentz is eligible to clear protocols uh, by Sunday under the new rules, given the new CDC guidance. But the Raiders aren't looking likely to have Darren Waller again. That will hurt them. And the Colts are looking likely to have Darius Leonard back, who wouldn't be available to Sunday under the prior protocols. So, it's all of a sudden an even match right now. I would give a slight edge to the Raiders, assuming Carson Wentz is out. But on Saturday, when I uh, put my picks on my uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter accounts, uh, this pick is subject to change. Keep that in mind. I like the Raiders if Carson Wentz doesn't play, but if Carson Wentz plays, I'm changing my mind and going with the Colts, but I'm assuming Wentz will not play. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. Wentz, no Wentz. If Jonathan Taylor's there, I'm picking the Colts. That's simple. So for me, Raiders should win. Colts will win. 28-23, Indy over Vegas. Your New England Patriots on a two-game losing streak. I think they get back on track with a vengeance this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even though Urban Meyer is no longer there anymore, the Jaguars, they're playing like they can't wait to have Daryl Bevel out of town either because they don't think he's doing a good job maximizing Trevor Lawrence either. And, and there's evidence to suggest that when you look at the tape. So uh, Patriots, even though they might not have Matt Judon in this game, no problem. They're going to do everything they can to confuse Trevor Lawrence. Like Bill Belichick always does. He makes a rookie quarterback's life miserable. He'll do the same for Trevor Lawrence. Patriots 30 Jaguars seven. Yeah, this is the old, get right game and came at the perfect time for the Patriots because they desperately need a get right game on both sides of the ball. Um, Jacksonville just playing a mess. Um, So yeah, should be an easy one. Patriots 34, Jags 13. And Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, Bruce Arians is unlikely to make this trip given his uh, COVID positive test. Harold Goodwin will be uh, the Bucks uh, acting head coach that day. They traveled to New York to take on the New York Jets. And I still think this is a no problem game for the Bucks. Uh, they did their job against the Panthers last week. They absolutely annihilated them in their own building. It's going to be the same thing this week in East Rutherford. Bucks uh, 35, Jets 13. Yeah, a blowout game for sure. 
Um, you know, again, not interesting just for the fact that I don't think the Jets can keep it competitive in any way, shape, or form. I've got it Tampa putting up 40 and the Jets 12. The Philadelphia Eagles looking to make their playoff dreams come true. They need to beat the Washington football team at FedEx Field this weekend. I am going to go with an upset here because Jalen Hurts, he might be impressive to some people, but I just think his game is just so, so limited. And it has to come back and bite the Eagles at least at some point right now. And Ron Rivera is going to have this team absolutely fired up after that atrocious performance against the Cowboys on national television. They're going to want to play spoiler and Ron Rivera's teams have done a very good job of playing spoiler in years past. I think they do it again. I like Washington in an upset 23 to 20 over the Eagles. Oh, I love that, David. I wish I could jump on with you, but I'm not riding that upset special. <laughs> no, no, no way. No, how. Um, I agree. I think Jalen Hurts is gonna um, that is gonna be limited. It's gonna hurt him probably in the playoffs, but uh, not this week against Washington. Uh, I've got it as a fairly easy win for the Eagles, thirty-one to eighteen over the football team. The Baltimore Ravens. We thought they were gonna be a team of destiny earlier this year, but they are literally fighting for their last ounce of playoff life. If they lose this week, they are highly unlikely to be in the playoffs and they have to face a resurgent Los Angeles Rams team at home. And you saw the video of Lamar Jackson at practice yesterday. He still seemed to be limping considerably and he did not practice again today. So it looks like they're going to have to pin their hopes on Tyler Huntley again, because I think Tyler Huntley right now is better than a subpar Lamar Jackson health wise, so to speak. Nonetheless, I am still going to take the Rams because I do not trust this uh, Ravens secondary, which is filled with uh, JV type players right now, dare I say, going against Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. and Matthew Stafford of this Rams pass Grant Matthew Stafford had a rough game against the Vikings last week, but the Vikings, even them, they still have more of the horses in the secondary that the Ravens do not have at the moment due to injury. I like the Rams. Yeah, I mean, the Rams are clicking right now. Baltimore, there's a tipping point on how many players you can lose and still be competitive, and they're long past that tipping point at this time, uh, unfortunately. So Rams clicking on offense, clicking on defense. It was nice to see Aaron Donald have a nice statement game last week as well to remind everybody, hey, I'm still the best defensive player in the NFL and uh, that's what you like to see is for the Rams coming down the stretch. So I've got it Rams 30, Baltimore 19. The Broncos is in my Denver Broncos traveling to SoFi Stadium to take on the Chargers. Easy for me. I want the Chargers at Justin Herbert to make the playoffs. It's a much better part. The Broncos, uh, you're, you're eliminated already, even though the numbers might suggest you have a slight hope. You're already eliminated. Play for draft position and start playing for your new head coach. Chargers over Broncos, easy pick. 
Yeah, should be an easy pick. That's why it's my upset special. Sorry, David. I got to pick the Broncos here. Uh, <laughs> if there was a time to, be, to, to ruin everything and not play for playoff position and try to struggle back to 500 for absolutely no reason. And yes, that offense is, was absolutely tr- atrocious with Drew Locke. And there's no reason they're going to win, which means they're going to win. So, you know... Uh, I, I'm just going to have to pick Chargers doing something. Chargers, maybe a fumble, blocked punt, something stupid to turn this game. And it's going to end up with the Broncos winning in my upset special, uh, 28 to 27. If this happens, and if it results in Vic Fangio keeping his job. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't make friends against you like that, Hal. But if it did happen, I might do something by myself, and uh, you'll find out what it is. All right. So you got the Broncos in an upset. I have the Chargers winning to keep their playoff hopes alive. The Arizona Cardinals, you said you're off the Cardinals bandwagon. I am totally off that bandwagon myself. And they have to go to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. I think this game... It should be close, but I don't think it's going to be in the end. It might be interesting for about a quarter, maybe a half, but the Cowboys really pull away in the second half. Cowboys 34, Cardinals 20. Yeah, oh, sound that simpatico alert, David. I almost (laughs) had that exact same score. Off by one, both sides. Dallas 33, Arizona 19. So we're both seeing the exact same thing here, I think, my friends. The... Dumpster fire, especially when it comes to quarterback, Carolina Panthers travel to New Orleans to take on the Saints, who, believe it or not, are still alive in the playoff picture for that number seven seed in the NFC. I think the Saints uh, get back on track this week. They were absolutely decimated against the Dolphins last week, but they got a lot of guys off COVID list this week, including Taysomeville. That'll be more than enough to eke out a win over the Panthers. I like the Saints. Yeah, a low scoring game, I think it's going to be, you know, not entertaining in any way, shape or form, but just what the Saints need 19 to 10 over Carolina. In what just might be Russell Wilson's final game in Seattle as a Seahawk, the Seahawks after a heartbreaking loss to the Bears and an atrocious home record this year, they host the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff uh, might not play again for the second straight week because he's dealing with another injury. Uh, He's recovered from COVID, but he has another injury he's dealing with right now. But that said, I just have more faith in Dan Campbell than I do in Pete Carroll right now. I just do. I think the Lions have at least one more win in them this season because they've been so close so many times they're due for a third win. I think it's here. I like the Lions. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, like I said, the Lions have are much more talented than their record indicates. I think that's a, a good sign for them coming into next season uh, with a, a big bounce back and get a bunch more wins and everybody get all excited about that. But for this year, you know, it's hard to pick Seattle the way that they're playing, but it's not like they have a first round pick. They can improve their position. So they've got to get that W Uh, long-term best interest for the lions. Take the L keep that number two pick overall. And uh, let's Seattle 
it's the Jets pick anyways. They don't care. So yeah, we'll give Seattle the W. They're due for a win. Um, close, ugly, 22 to 20. On Sunday Night Football, the Packers host the Vikings. And could we be nearing the end of the Mike Zimmer era? I have a feeling we just might be. And I think this Sunday is going to accelerate it. With no Adam Thielen in that passing game and uh, Jair Alexander on his way back for the Packers. Heck, even if Jair Alexander does not play this weekend, the Packers still have a, a pretty stingy secondary, as it turned out to be, even without him. And I think they're going to just take Justin Jefferson away. And uh, they're going to do a great job of stopping Dalvin Cook and forcing Kirk Cousins to rely on secondary options all night long. And the Vikings without Daniil Hunter, they're not going to be able to pressure Aaron Rodgers like they did last time. I like the Packers in this game. Uh, They'll keep it close maybe for half, but they'll just get annihilated in the second half. The Vikings, uh, that is. Uh, Packers 35, Vikings 17. Yeah, I've got the Vikings uh, keeping it a little closer just because it's a division game and strange things happen in the division sometimes, but not strange enough to to upset the Packers here. No way, no how. Um, I've got the Packers winning it 30 to 23 over the Vikings. And on Monday night in Pittsburgh, as Ben Roethlisberger himself said, barring a miracle to win the division, All signs point to this being his final game in Pittsburgh as a Steeler. The end of an iconic career is coming up fast here. And the Browns are still alive in the playoff, although it's the longest of long shots for them as well at seven and eight. The Browns are favored to win, but I think the Steelers, no matter how um, subpowered Big Ben is in his play right now, They are going to rally together and win a memorable one for Big Ben. How? Stay tuned for bowl predictions shortly. I like the Stillers. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I, you know, should be picking Cleveland, but boy, they've just let me down all season long. I just can't, you know, just don't have it. Uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, costing yourself a lot of money, I think think young man this year so i'm gonna go with the steelers as well uh 20 to 17 over cleveland and now it's time for our bowl predictions for week 17 i will go first here the steelers will win a memorable game they're going to win one in ben roethlisberger's Heinzfield swan song and it won't be because of ben roethlisberger it will be because baker mayfield throws not one not two not three Not four, but five (laughs) interceptions against the Steelers' defense. And two of them will be pick sixes. One of them returned by Joe Hayden, a former Cleveland Brown, and the other returned by Joe Schobert, another former Cleveland Brown. That is my bold prediction for Week 17. What about you, Hal? Uh, I don't think I could match the boldness there, but I'll take a shot at it here. So, um. You know, I'm not picking against Indy. I don't care who's not there for Indianapolis. They're going to find a way to do it. And the reason why is the uh, MVP of the 2021 NFL season, and that's Jonathan Taylor. And how does you want to have that big performance fresh in the minds? It's going to be a big game for Taylor. I see him scoring all four touchdowns for Indianapolis. And not only that, but he pounds up not a hundred yards on the ground, 
not 200 yards, but exactly 274 yards to bring him to a total of 1,900 yards with a chance to hit 2,000 next week. So, Jonathan Taylor, that's my bold prediction for this week. Oh, I like it as well. And last but not least, we always conclude with our challenge flags. You go first here, Hal. Yeah, I mean, based on my pick, hey, Big Ben, I'm throwing out that challenge flag. I want to see you go out like a champion here. Um, yeah, you're probably not going to make the playoffs, but don't embarrass yourself. Uh, you got two divisional games, these good old classic AFC North barn burners, the Browns, the Ravens coming up these last two weeks. Go out like a champion, Big Ben. Leave it all on the field. Make those big plays downfield. Let loose. Let's see what you can do, Big Ben. Go out a champion. My challenge flag goes to the Green Bay Packers. And Packers, look, you're in the driver's seat for the NFC's number one playoff seat. Aaron Rodgers is having another MVP caliber season. But the past two games, you let your foot off the gas and it almost came back to bite you in the end. So please, I don't care who you're playing these next two weeks, the Vikings or the Lions, do not. Take your foot off the gas. Just keep your foot on the gas and put the game away early so Aaron Rodgers and that toe can rest on the sidelines to get some additional rest in addition to that likely uh, first-round bye you're going to get. So, Packers, please don't take your foot off the gas. And he is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen, of FaucetSportPage.com and full press coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back same time next week, next year, to recap Week 17, preview Week 18, hand out our end-of-the-year awards, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, you can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved SportsCrunch.com. In addition, in case you missed it, it is official. I will once again be headed down to Mobile, Alabama in early February to cover the 2022 Reese's Senior Bowl, one of the first major events in the final lead-up to the 2022 NFL Draft. And as of now, I still 100% plan on being there. So get ready for the beginning of our annual Dash to the Draft series in just a few weeks. We hope you all had a blessed and Merry Christmas. For Hale Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, enjoy another very fun weekend of football, college and NFL alike, and Happy New Year, cats and kittens, stay cool. Stay cool.